0: Welcome back, everyone, to the inaugural episode of this year's edition of the RosterWatch.com TradeCast. My name is Byron Lambert. This is where we'll gather every week to improve our fantasy football teams through the trade market. Uh, Please excuse me. I'm recording this episode here in the aftermath of Hurricane Ian. Uh, Internet is still very, very spotty in my area. I'm having to do some of this uh, through my phone, but um, very, very fortunate that um, everybody as well um, where I'm at, but certainly I'm still very, very concerned about the all the folks just just 45 minutes or an hour south of me so I hope that all of you are still thinking about them and I know there's plenty of ways to help and they certainly need a lot of help right now um, down there on many, many fronts. So if you're inclined to do so, I hope that uh, uh, you will look into that and see how you can assist or contribute to the folks. Uh, struggling through this crisis in not just southwest Florida, but even into the interior where the flooding was, uh, as the governor said, like a 500-year flood. So there's there's been a lot of damage to folks that weren't even just right on the coast. But let's hop right into it. Let's hop right into the Week 5 Fantasy Football Trade Market. Uh, guys, The this is where we want to start is, if, if you're going to engage in the trade market, you know, the first place to start is you know, come here, listen to this podcast, do your own research, and identify whether you have any players on your roster to sell high on. That's really where you want to start every week. It's a long season. Um, it's a taxing season, and it requires a lot of bandwidth um, over the long haul to do your waivers and set your lineups and make sit-start decisions and do trades so you can really save a little bit of time by first just having a look and seeing okay do i have anybody that i can even trade this week i think that's the situation most teams are in and then of course if you are a losing and struggling team uh it may not be that you have anybody that you can necessarily sell really high on at the moment but maybe you've got to think about making some moves in your best interest in order to get off the schneid and get a win this week because we can't afford to get too far behind in our our fantasy football leagues. So let's get uh, right to it here on the sell side of the Week 5 fantasy football trade market. Um, Let's begin with it's actually very, very running back heavy this week. Let's begin with Rashad Penny of the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Hearing he's a little bit banged up heading into this week. um, Hopefully that News doesn't scare too many people off. Really hoping that we get some good information on him uh, trending in the right direction as we near the weekend here. Because if so, we're going to look to trade Rashad Penny uh, coming off the 30-point fantasy football monster in Week 4. Look, Rashad Penny with an eye-popping 6 yards per carry on the season. And really, he's become a 60 9% Nine percent snap guy, snap count guy in recent weeks. That's a heavy snap count. That's exactly what you want to see for a lead guy in in the backfield and on your fantasy team. Is you know that sixty to seventy percent snap count, really closer to seventy, is is indicative of kind of these workhorse guys. The season didn't start like that for Rashad Penny, but that's what's happened over the course of the last few weeks. The question is, can you really count on it? And, of course, I'm suspect. We have a lot of history with Rashad Penny only averaging 1.25 targets per game. That really just is not going to get it done for fantasy. 13.25 touches per game on a bad team. Another really negative indicator for Rashad Penny's long-term outlook on the season. These are kind of the underlying data points that make us concerned about Penny being able to maintain this clip of production as uh, we move through the season. But I think there's some stuff you can sell here with Penny. I mean, the 30-point game last week, the big yards per catch, he's playing the ha- a heavy snap count. Um, you know, but I think that if you've been managing Rashad Penny, you're quick to remember that he only averaged six points per game in standard leagues, less than six points per game in standard leagues uh, through the first three weeks of the season. Uh, we all know that he does have the stud, you know, rookie running back, uh, Kenneth Walker III lurking in the background. Now, of course, it looks like a very slow start for Kenneth Walker, and I'm not sure how big of a thorn on the side of Penny he will be and how soon he will be some enormous thorn in the side of Rashad Penny or obstruction to Penny's uh, regular fantasy production. But I think, you know, look at how the premier rookies are already being used around the league you know, typically these teams have an intention of getting these guys involved. And, you know, my view is Kenneth Walker is is too damn good to keep on the bench for too, too long. So, you know, will he usurp Penny? Probably not if these conditions stay the same. But will he begin to cut into that 69% snap count? Will he pick up in the receiving game where Penny has been deficient? Rationale tells me yes, probably so. And that's a concern for Rashad Penny long-term. And I would say it would be shrewd to categorize Rashad Penny as really just a flex player on your team. That's the prudent way to look at this, and it's probably the honest way to look at this. Um, He has a bottom third matchup uh, against fantasy football running backs uh, in the league this week at New Orleans. So folks, this is a really good opportunity to take Rashad Penny, uh, a player that you drafted in the middle rounds just of your draft a month or six weeks ago, and who really were quite nervous about the first two or three weeks of the season, and try to move him for a better, more reliable asset that you feel more comfortable with over the course of the season. And and, and look, you know the the premise of what we're ultimately trying to do most times on the trade market is what we've always referenced as a consolidation trade here at RosterWatch.com. Uh, that's where we want to take two of our players, two ideally two of our overperforming players. And consolidate them in a trade for one superior player in return, while very importantly liberating a roster spot for an ever-important waiver wire move, uh, at waiver wire acquisition, which is you know another avenue for success and in terms of improving your fantasy team over the course of the season. The waiver wire pickups are literally worth gold. I know you guys are using the waiver wire cheat sheet every Tuesday over at RosterWatch.com. I know you're listening to Alex and. on the weekly Waiver Wire podcast. And what you'll see is a lot of those Waiver Wire pickups over the course of the season, in a matter of a few weeks, they start at the bottom of the cheat sheet and they rise to the top. It's kind of like you're really cultivating fantasy gold from the bottom of the Waiver Wire sheet if you're massaging that thing on a regular basis. And then to do that, you've got to have free spots in your roster to acquire these guys. Otherwise, you're really missing out. And the way to do this is to improve... The player equity across the entirety of your roster by upgrading at the top of your roster, liberating a space at the bottom, and replenishing that with a waiver wire guy who is bound for an increased value in the coming weeks. So uh, I would suggest that Rashad Penny is a player that not only you try to move this week, but most teams will want to take him and package him with somebody else, and. Make an attempt to target a player that you feel is superior in return. Jamal Williams, running back of the Detroit Lions. Again, we are discussing the sell side of the week five fantasy football trade market right here on the rosterwatch.com trade cast. Jamal Williams, the Detroit Lions. I know that a lot of Rosterwatch Nation rosters Williams, at least those of you who use the standard and half-point PPR cheat sheet, we were getting a fairly decent clip of him late. In our drafts, and look, he's he's having a monster season. There's no other way to put it. An absolute monster season for Jamal Williams in terms of fantasy um, here at the outset. Um, but we know that when DeAndre Swift is healthy, that Jamal Williams is only a 12-touch-per-game guy. Now, the question is, can we predict Swift's health? How healthy is he going to be? How often? If you look at his history... Uh, there's big questions there, but I don't think that's something we can really hang our hat on as a Jamal Williams manager at this point. Look, Williams is coming off back-to-back 24-point games in half-point PPR formats, uh, 24-point fantasy football <laughs> uh, production. That's that's absolutely, you know, that's elite RB one type stuff. The last couple of weeks out of Jamal Williams, a guy that you drafted as a total flyer at the end of your draft and weren't really sure what to expect it's been a real boon um Jamal Williams only a 33% snap count guy when DeAndre Swift is in the lineup and it sounds like Swift's return is probably imminent and again how long will he stay healthy we don't know Williams will continue to be a great commodity because he has some equity in that offense which is really kind of humming um you know no matter what but it's you know a a very um it's a, it's a, it's a thin role for Williams when uh, DeAndre Swift is active again it's 33% snap count only 12 touches per game for Jamal Williams when Swift is in the lineup which is really quite meager and going to be unreliable in, in terms of you know any types of future production at this same clip that we've been experiencing so far this season um You know, even in the recent weeks, when you drill down into Jamal Williams' massive production, he was barely a 50% snap count guy, even in the stead of DeAndre Swift. So once again, another, you know, a little bit of a red flag. Even when he's getting this massive production in lieu of DeAndre Swift in recent weeks, it's been at a definitely a sub-optimal snap count. Um, 17.5 points per game. And half point, port, half point PPR um, is his average fantasy production on the season, which is what a lot of your unassuming league mates may look at. You know, Most people just look at like how many points per game has this guy scored on the season. And if you look at it, that makes Jamal Williams the third highest scoring running back to date this season, at least in standard formats, which is absolutely eye-popping and we know it's totally unsustainable and it's uh, certainly a uh, uh, an extraordinarily inflated representation of what we know Jamal Williams is. And, you know, so what all of that means is, that by definition, he's a sell high. He's nowhere near, you know, a top five fantasy running back um, when you look at the landscape of the league. And the fact is, that's how he's been producing through the first month of the season, if you look at it on average. So... You know, not a bad profile to try to pedal to somebody else here. Only two targets per game for Jamal Williams, just like we said for Rashad Penny. It's just, it's not enough. I mean, I think you can put these guys actually, you know, in a little bit of the same bucket, even though Penny's still really the lead guy on his team. You know, you're, you're, you're noticing here some of the common underlying data points that are red flags here. So you guys can start to, when you... You know, evaluating the landscape of your own fantasy football league and the players out here. If you if you listen closely, you'll know what to look for. Uh, you know, let's look for targets per game. Let's look for snap count. Let's look for um, inflated you know production. Uh, those are the things that we want to look for. And also, touchdown dependency is something we've always looked at at rosterwatch.com. You know, touchdowns are somewhat unreliable and unpredictable. And so, these players who have produced. Uh, exceptionally so far this season but have have been very reliant on scoring touchdowns we know again that's another you know that's another red flag that that catches our attention that this may not be sustainable and Jamal Williams and Standard Leagues 54% touchdown dependency on the season we're looking for guys who are usually around 25% touchdown dependent really max so that's ugly for Jamal Williams and it, there's no way it can be Uh, Sustained. He's got a middling matchup against the New England Patriots this week. That's Jamal Williams of the Detroit Lions. Um, We may or may not have Swift coming back. Uh, But once again, this is a classic profile of a sell high to a desperate losing owner in your league. That's really because you know Jamal Williams has some stigma attached to his name. So you know you're not going to totally pull one over on a lot of people. But you know who we need to be targeting. You know, this raises a great point: is that the winning teams in their league, at this juncture of the season, you know, the first people I told you the first order operation is go look at your roster and see do I have anybody I can even trade this week before you walk down the path of spending all this time evaluating your trade market. It's a good way, a little bit of a of a time saver. The next thing is when you're identifying trade targets, who do you want to acquire? The very next order, step two in the order of operations is go identify the 0-4, 1-3 teams in your league, the losing, struggling teams in your league, and see if you can pick them off for their good players. And, you know, their their hands are tied a little bit. They have a sense of urgency. They have to win now. And I think not only are they ideal targets, uh, you know, in general because of their situation, but I think these are guys that they're a little bit desperate that you can also pawn off some of your players that maybe um you know maybe aren't quite as enticing big picture like a Jamal Williams somebody may need to win right now and you know he's been going like gangbusters so i think in some leagues um that may be a con- you know that may be compelling to some owners uh, once again uh, the, Jamal Williams uh Classic profile of a sell high to a desperate and losing league mate of yours in a consolidation deal where you package Jamal Williams and another player on your roster, a flex type player, an overperforming type player, and your 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 objective is to get one superior player in return from that losing team that you've targeted in this deal. And, and look, you know, if you want to get a good player off their hands, those teams need to win. So you are going to have to give them players. That can help them win, you know, right now. But I think you can make that pitch with Jamal Williams and another solid asset. Um, I would recommend that you at least go investigate that situation in your league. If you are a Jamal Williams owner, it would be um, high on my list of priorities while the momentum is there. Uh, Next up uh, on the sell side of the fantasy football trade market, another running back producing an elite clip. Um... You know, a guy that people are more excited about, too, uh, Miles Sanders of the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, look, 20-touch-per-game, Miles Sanders is awesome. And that's, frankly, that's what he's been this season. And, you know, he's got a a whole hive of truthers out there. I mean, everybody knows Miles Sanders is an electric player that when he gets the opportunities, he's been good. But he's just not been that guy that can sustain those opportunities or that workload. And the Eagles have just simply have not been the team that are going to really – cater to that. Still, his truthers are doing cartwheels. His loyalists are doing cartwheels right now because this is exactly what they've been hoping for. And the fact is Miles Sanders is the type of talent that if this sustains, he's going to be really good all season. I mean, he's an RB1 right now and that could sustain. But I think if we really look at a big picture, it's more than likely a mirage. That's more than likely a mirage with Miles Sanders. But he has the kind of name recognition that people are still willing to pay up for um based on their kind of biases towards him especially with this elite production out of the gate this season you know I, the other thing I'll say is I was at Eagles training camp is you know people really a lot of our colleagues were making the prediction the Eagles would be a run heavy run first offense because of the way they finished the last eight games of last season and I went to training camp but I just don't see how that's even remotely possible Number one, they really don't have the assets in the backfield to to really do that over the long course of the season. But the fact is, the strength of their team is the passing game: Jalen Hurts, AJ Brown, Dallas Goddard, Devontae Smith, and we've seen that. And I think we still know that that is true, um, even though Miles Sanders has reared his head. So I think what we've seen is maybe the Eagles are a balanced offense through the first month of the season. They're not. I think they're still tilt towards their strength, which is the passing and we've seen them not this incredibly run heavy team um but I think they're balanced that can be run heavy depending on a game script and that's what happened last week I think Miles Sanders had 27 touches in week 4 so that's not going to happen every week um and I think that we have enough information on Miles Sanders that you you know you got to be a little bit on the edge of your seat about whether this can really really continue so the shrewd thing to do is just you know see what's possible with Miles Sanders because again twenty touch per game Miles Sanders is awesome, but you have to proceed at your own risk, uh, given all the history that we have with him. Uh, the other in, uh, important data point here with Miles Sanders is at roster watch. You know we've always liked to look at median scoring versus average scoring because it's more of a telltale sign of, you know what's the most you know what's a more common expected type of production for this particular player. And while it's still an impressive number, Miles Sanders' median scoring uh, is, or is, is median touches, I'm sorry, is 16 uh, touches per game, which, which feels, you know, that feels more like Miles Sanders than a 20 touch per game guy. I think that's a more reasonable projection. And while 16 is still good, and especially in that offense, I think that, you know, really makes him probably an awesome flex or a really solid RB2 on the season as long as he maintains health. But again, he's carrying a massive RB1 status right now on one of the offenses that people are most excited about and one of the best teams in the league. So I think if you, you, there's a good chance in your league you have some Miles Sanders aficionados and those people would be great folks to target uh, in a trade to move Miles Sanders in. Um, get get up to somebody that you feel more comfortable with. The flip side is, if you're a losing team with Miles Sanders, which you may or may not be, I also think he's a good candidate for a liquidation trade. Um, he's got the name right. Rec- you're not going to pull that off with Rashad Penny or Jamal Williams. Miles Sanders has the the name recognition and the you know enough of a devout f- uh, following that if you're a losing team with Miles Sanders, we always talk about you need to identify why you're losing. As it, you know, if you're evaluating the trade market as a losing team, how can you improve your team? Is it just that you've got a good team and you've been, you know, unlucky? Is it, you know, what's going on? A lot of times I think of the losing teams are honest with themselves. They'll say, you know, really my starting lineup is a little bit weak every, you know, is, is, is uh, a little bit feeble every week and likely that's because you're weak at like a, you know, one of your skill positions. You're weak at some position. You have a hole in your starting lineup and well what do you need to backfill that? You need a you need a couple of good assets in return to kind of to fill out the most competitive I mean that's the mandate here for the losing teams is you have to get as quickly as possible, you have to get to a competitive starting lineup that you can begin to win with like now or in short order. So a lot of times that means you've got a hole or two, you got a backfill. And that requires a liquidation trade where you take one of your good players or one of your overperforming players, uh, you trade them off to somebody else, and you get two, two uh, good, you know, good starters in return. You know, at least two really good flex players at minimum in return that are starters for you, and helps you field a more competitive starting lineup every week. I think Miles Sanders is actually the perfect kind of guy to try to do that with because you really don't want to move your elite players if you don't have to. You'd rather, and you're not going to be able to liquidate a Jamal Williams or Rashad Penny type. So really, a liquidation trade, the ideal guy is kind of this quasi-elite asset. And Miles Sanders, absolutely, if I'm a losing team with Miles Sanders, I am doing everything I can this week to see if I can liquidate him into two really nice pieces in return that can help me be more competitive in my starting lineup every week. Two point two five targets per game for Miles Sanders. Also a little bit surprising. I mean, he he should be more involved than that. He's not. Again, another red flag. And really, beside last week, uh, which was a huge outburst for Miles Sanders. Again, I think was very much game script dependent. Uh, he's a fifty five percent snap count guy, which again doesn't. That's not. That's not adequate. That's not adequate for an RB1, which is how he's performed so far. So likely he is not going to be an RB1 the rest of the season. But if you could sell him as RB1, that means it'd be smart to do it. He does have a great matchup at Arizona this week on paper. I think that that, you can definitely shop that to a trade target out there. Um, You know, again, Miles Sanders, a really good option to attempt to sell on the fantasy football trade market. Uh, this week uh, continuing on here Clyde Edwards Hilaire another overperforming fantasy running back in a good situation on a good team you know you're obviously thrilled if you roster him and I actually think Clyde is probably in a pretty good spot the rest of the season but he's the kind of guy that has all the statistical underpinnings that are going to make it a bit of a roller coaster on the season. And you're not sure how much you can trust him. You know, we see Pacheco looks damn good. I mean, I think that's going to be probably like a one-two punch moving forward. Certainly, Pacheco is the kind of guy that could could steal some of Clyde's thunder in the red zone, which is really how Clyde edwards Hilaire has made his hay so far this season. I mean, he's been 48% touchdown dependent in standard leagues. Five touchdowns on the season already. For Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, that's over one touchdown per game. And it's simply very likely that's unsustainable at an average of only 13 touches per game. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, a top five running back, essentially, in fantasy to begin the season, which we absolutely know that he is not, which tells us that he is, this is, you know, certainly meets the, the definition, the inherent definition of a sell high on the trade market. Um, he's had double digit fantasy points every single game. Clyde Edwards Deaireir has this very impressive twenty points twice already this season. Um, but if you look at it, he only had about seven rushing attempts per game through the first three games of the season. He did have nineteen last week, but I mean, that's a very, that's very bipolar, right? I mean, that's bipolar and looks very unreliable. Clyde Edwards Deaireir, a terrific matchup with Las Vegas Raiders. Um, in store this week, but that's followed by two really tough matchups against the Bills and the 49ers in Week 6 and Week 7, only to then encounter a a buy in Week 8. So I think that you could try to get one last week of production out of Clyde here and then try to move him, but uh, to me, the sharp money tries to sell him this week. You know, you've got all the selling points are there for Clyde this week, And I just think that you got to strike while the iron's hot. You don't know what's going to happen, and you should try to capitalize while you can on the sell side of the fantasy football trade market. For Clyde Edwards E. Lair, if you were one of his managers so far this season,
1: say goodbye
0: And then here's another one. Uh, i got a couple of guys out of Houston on the sell side of the trade market. Certainly not, you know, and this is an interesting distinction we like to make on the trade cast every year. These guys are not not necessarily must-sell players. I mean, we're talking about good players that if you have to keep them, you know, you're in pretty good shape probably, but we have some concerns long-term. So I think they're like, they're players you try to sell if you're being opportunistic. They're players you... Investigate, you know, you know, what 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 can be done with this guy. That's what we need to be doing here. And I would recommend doing that with the rookie Damian Pierce out of Houston. I mean, look, he's really caught fire the last two weeks in the way that we hoped and and really expected in many ways. He's in a in a good situation, um, and it's really manifested the last two weeks. And I think you can project moving forward like he's in per, for a pretty good role. So again, Damian Pierce not a must sell. I think if you kind of zoom out, though, you say, you know what, this isn't a bad guy to sh- shop around and see what's available, and yeah, I think he's certainly a name you can put in a uh, in a consolidation deal to bring home like an elite prospect in return, which is really, you know, the angle. That's our that's our that's our aim, right? That's our objective is to try to build an elite roster up and down, uh, especially as it relates to our starting lineup, Damian Pierce. 20 points per game over the last two weeks has finally arrived in fantasy football. He's finally arrived as a player in the NFL and he's finally arrived as a Houston Texan. Uh, If you look at his average the last two weeks, he's been averaging four targets per game and 21 touches, uh, which is incredible, incredible. And he's gone over 60% snap count in both those games. So again, everything, the trends are all looking good for Pierce and he may very well stay on this track. I think, you know, circumstantially, logic tells you that he should, but you know, we just don't have enough data to know a hundred percent yet, and um, you know, my thought is he's not he's a rookie on a bad team. I mean, how and it's again, it's is a guy that you're happy to keep, but I think rookies on bad teams are players you're willing to part with if it means bringing home a commodity that you're more comfortable with can take you all the way this season um and you know what we always talk about is too um if you want to target an elite player in a trade you're going to have to give up some good players you're not going to just go around ripping everybody off with a bunch of nonsense offers that don't help the other team I mean that's if you really want to get deals done you need to craft a deal that honestly helps the other team and isn't just a um uh, you know isn't um Uh, you know, isn't just like a slap in the face when they receive it. There needs to be some quality players in the bundle that you're offering. And I think Damian Pierce certainly uh, meets that criteria. So, um, you know, Damian Pierce owner is very, very happy today. And as they look ahead, but I would say that if they want to be active in the trade market, this would be a good week just to, just to see what's out there, see what you can fetch for Damian Pierce this week in your fantasy football league. And then his, his teammate Brandon Cooks. Here's our first wide receiver on this week's edition of the Trade Cast on the sell side of the Week Five fantasy football trade market. Brandon Cooks had an excellent season last year. Uh, was drafted kind of as that really nice safety valve fantasy wide receiver with upside in the middle rounds uh, this season, and you know he's got some underlying data that su- still supports that that you can feel good about. And I think he's a fine keep if you need to keep him, but really if you read the tea leaves it appears Brandon Cooks is going to be boom bust this year kind of a boom bust player just based on the the offense the quarterback play again it's a bad team in Houston and i think the you know when you have a big a boom bust player let's look at like Devonte Smith in Philadelphia who's looking kind of boom boom busty what i which you know i think is fine for where you drafted him and what your expectations are but I, the appeal of Devontae Smith as we've seen is that When he goes boom, it can be an enormous, you know, nuclear type of boom. And the question is, in this offense, does Brandon Cooks really have that kind of upside to offset being kind of an unreliable player production-wise on a week-to-week basis? And the question is, how big can Brandon Cooks boom, and how frequently can he boom that big? My feeling is the big booms for Cooks are probably going to be sparse this year, which... Ultimately, kind of undermines his valued here roster, a player with his type of profile. Um, He's had two double-digit fantasy football games in terms of production and half-point PPR so far this season in the first four weeks. But it's been a very underwhelming start overall. I mean, those were barely double-digit scoring affairs for Brandon Cooks. It's been, you know... Definitely not what folks expected compared to last year where Cooks was just an absolute joy and a total surprise um, for fantasy owners. Uh, He did have his best game of the season in week four. And so, you know, this is the type of player that when he's hot, you want to try to capitalize because he could easily bust this week and then you're kind of back languishing. He's back to just kind of languishing on your roster. So I'd say if you can cobble together, you know, his week four production – You know, he is getting nine targets per game, a robust snap count. He did have that, you know, know, very, you know, uh, respectable preseason ADP that some people in your league may still be kind of bought into. I think those are, you know, four selling points you can cobble together uh, regarding Brandon Cooks um, and try to peddle him this week for somebody that's more reliable with bigger weekly upside. Um, And then, of course, if not, I think, you know, the wise thing to do is look at Brandon Cooks as a wide receiver three with, with definitely with some upside, um, as the season progresses, if you have to keep him. All right, folks. Um, you know, of course we'll get to some mock trade deals at the end of today's episode so that you have some actionable kind of templates, you know, that you can follow in your own leagues, um, when putting together, when crafting some trades. But first, of course, we want to Hop over to the buy side of the Week 5 fantasy football trade market. And uh, we're going to obviously begin. I mean, where else could we begin with uh, Jonathan Taylor? Jonathan Taylor of the Indianapolis Colts, who looks like he's going to be out in the uh, Thursday night game uh, this week, which, you know, a lot of times I try to leave Thursday players out of, out of the trade cap it's a little bit hard to mobilize and make the offers in time but he's a player that looks like he's not going to play um and i think that you know when you're looking at a jonathan situation with with uh buying jonathan taylor it's very likely that he may be rostered by a lot of zero and four teams a lot of one and three teams which makes him a really good buy target for winning teams. Now, like I said, you're not going to just rip somebody off for Jonathan Taylor. His his owners are going to be looking to make a liquidation trade. They're going to want a couple players in return that can help them get you know, get the skunk off this week and get a win. And I think that's totally fair. And if I'm a, if I am interested in Jonathan Taylor, I'm more than happy to to try to construct a deal of that nature. Um he's really only had one good game this season. I mean, we know he's an absolute nuclear Weapon. Look, I, look. I never thought the Matt Ryan edition was going to be earth shattering for the Colts, and he's it, it, it really in times has looked, you know, pathetic. Um, so you know there are some concerns about what's going on with the Colts this season, but in the end, I mean, Jonathan Taylor is just the kind of guy that if you can acquire him, I think you take your chances on him, and you see. Uh, what happens. He's had only really one good game this year. It was week one, which is a distant, distant memory for his managers at this point. Again, looking like he's out on this short week, but should be back soon, which is promising for anybody looking to acquire him. So, again, if I'm a 3-1 and one team or a 4-0 and o team, uh, kind of rich with assets on my roster, um, I'm making an offer right now that the Jonathan Taylor owner cannot resist. And I'm going to I'm gonna take my chances and see what he has in store with me the rest of the season. And then on the flip side, uh, struggling teams that are one and three or 0-4 and, and have to get a win this week, I do think you have to look at liquidating somebody like Jonathan Taylor. But remember, the rule is you have to get at least two really good starters in return, two respectable starters in return that can help you win this week, you know, next week. Um, you know that has to be your your objective, but. I think this can make sense for both sides and that tells me that there could be deals this week on the fantasy football trade market for Jonathan Taylor, stud running back of the Indianapolis Colts. Another stud running back, maybe starting to be on the back nine of his career a little bit here, but I think a guy that you're still plenty interested in, Dalvin Cook, running back of the Minnesota Vikings, 18 touches per game, 3.25 targets per game, um... You know, I it is true though. Alexander Madison getting like a thirty to forty percent snap count on a weekly basis this year is definitely a bigger snap count than we're accustomed to. Um, and he did vulture, you know, the touchdown last week. I think that might be seared into the Dalvin Cook owners' minds because Dalvin's been pretty, I think, for the, through the first three weeks, he only had like one yard in the red zone. You know, it's not been a great start for Dalvin. So unless people really drill down, they're seeing the stuff out of Madison. They're getting a little bit worried. Um, but when you look into it, Madison really still only getting five touches per game, which is what you would expect. I mean, most elite running backs have a guy that comes in behind him and gets five to eight touches per game. And I think it makes plenty sense. And it's, you've still got Dalvin at a 65% snap count, which is, we won't call it elite, but it's definitely, you know, above the threshold. It's It it meets, it's adequate. It's adequate, and he could still be an RB1 with that type of snap count. Um, granted, he may not be, like, a top three guy if they don't start giving a little bit more volume. But, you know, certainly we know Dalvin Cook offers plenty of ups, upside, and, and he's a guy that could easily be very reliable on a weekly Basis he gets the number four matchup of the week this week at home against the Chicago Bears. You got to like that for Dalvin Cook. He does have middling matchups at uh, middling matchup at Miami in week six, and then there is a week seven bye for Dalvin Cook. So maybe you know just a um, few aspects to be aware of there as you're considering what to do with Dalvin Cook. But I certainly think that logic dictates Dalvin Cook uh, definitely a, a very you know a, a very reasonable buy option with some appeal this week on the week five fantasy football trade market. And I'll tell you what, if he hadn't gotten, if he hadn't had a little bit of a breakout last week, I would have said that Joe Mixon is very much in the same bucket with Dalvin Cook. Um, And maybe he still is in this, this in your league this week. I mean, even though he didn't have a monster week last week, but enough that, probably his scared owners are feeling a little bit better but you know they're not out of the woods yet so i you know Mixon may not live totally in this bucket with Dalvin Cook this week but they've been kind of uh, they've been kind of similar on the season and so maybe Mixon is another guy we just keep an eye on i mean if he has another down week here i think he'll will be you know he'll he'll be on the trade cast next week and we'll be talking about him the way that we're talking about Dalvin Cook today All right, on to another running back from the buy side of the fantasy football trade market, this week's fantasy football trade market. This is the RosterWatch.com TradeCast. I'm Byron Lambert. And look, it's been a surprising start to the season for Alvin Kamara, a guy who really got pushed up draft boards late uh, in draft season. I kind of handled him carefully, at least on the standard and half-point PPR sheet. And, you know, we didn't want to get totally blanked on a guy like Kamara because... You could look like a fool if you did that, but it, we definitely, definitely aimed for less than average exposure um, for Roster Watch Nation uh, when it came to Camara, and that feels, you know, it feels good so far because something doesn't feel right about Alvin Kamara this season, and I, his owners have to be worried. I mean, he's got a lingering rib injury; they're saying he's probably good to go this week, um, but only two games played, only fourteen and a half touches per game. Uh, that's that's just not enough, right? And uh, we got Jameis Winston struggling with his back injury. You know, hopefully he'll return soon. Um, you know, I think the what you're looking at with Camara is you're betting on his pedigree, you're betting on his history as a player that he can have a bounce back here. I mean, I think circumstantially the other running backs in that running back room leave a ton to be desired and really aren't. You know, they don't hold a candle to Alvin Kamara. And so when you kind of look at that and you say, okay, you know what? He's still getting five and a half targets per game. That's really, you know, that's an elite number for fantasy football running back. And that's always been kind of the underpinning of Kamara's production. You're feeling pretty good about that. And then the other thing is, you know, at least I think the Saints offense looks pretty good. I mean, Chris Olave, we've already learned, is absolute. looks like he's going to be the next super elite. Rookie wide receiver. Uh, He looks incredible. You know, Michael Thomas and Landry have been pretty good since they've been in there. Winston's been able to be pretty good. Dalton looked pretty good. So I think the other thing is this Saints offense is actually pretty decent. So you start saying, okay, Alvin Kamara and a pretty decent looking offense, still getting the targets. You know, competition around him in the running back room is very, very lackluster. Um, You know, it's not a lock, but on the long-term bet, I would – I would wager on Camara's prospects to rebound this season. It's a calculated risk, but one I'm worth, I'm willing to take. And his, his look, Alvin Kamara managers could easily be 0-4, 1-3 right now. Um, so, once again, I think he's, he's probably a very realistic option on the trade market this week to try to pick him off. He does have a great matchup this week versus Seattle if you are able to obtain him. And... Look, there's no buy for Alvin Kamara until week fourteen, which is really nice, man. We gotta win now. And I'd rather mortgage those buys, put those things on credit in the future and let's rack up some wins now. Let's build our team through the trade market and the waiver wire market. Let's fortify it. And then when we gotta when we have to deal with these buys down the road, we'll be in good position to do do so. So I think going after Camara Alvin Kamara this week, it's worth a shot. And I'd give up two legit flex players for him. Uh, let's see here. Next on the buy side of the fantasy football trade market this week, running back James Car Connor of the Arizona Cardinals. I actually think James Connor is one of the best targets here because he doesn't have. He's got. He's had enough skepticism surrounding him for years that people don't identify him with the Jonathan Taylors and the Dalvin Cooks and the Alvin Camaras of the world. And so what I'm saying is they're, they're more nervous about him because they weren't really sure if he's the real deal or not. And it's been a very slow start to the season. Um, so I think you can get James Connor on a better deal than a Dalvin Cook or an Alvin Kamara, And the fact is he, yeah, I, in my mind, I was at Cardinals camp. I mean, he has every, but the upside of those guys. Um, there's a, some things that play here. Um, one thing we noticed at Cardinals training camp was that, you know, you know, Benjamin and Daryl Williams, they they really weren't going to inherit the full Chase Edmonds role. It was going to be some kind of split between those guys. And, and it's just very obvious that Connor was like far and away the lead guy. And he looks really, he's a fast, big guy. And I said it from camp. People said, oh, he can't catch the football. You know, you don't want him in fantasy. And I said, what are you talking about? I, James Conner was, you know, he was he was catching the football quite well when I was at Cardinals camp. And we've seen that actually, even though it's been a slow start. We've seen his targets tick up to four and a half targets per game this year. That's a big, big deal for James Conner, getting that type of target share. And he's good at catching the ball, and dude, the dude is fast. So, um I think when he gets out, with you know, he could do some damage with those uh, receptions. And the other thing we predicted from Cardinals camp is that it was going to be a slow start for the Arizona Cardinals this year. And somehow they've managed to put together, I I think it's a de- – I'll have to double check. But I think their record is better than maybe they've looked so far this season. It definitely has been a slow start for that team. And, you know, because of that slow start, everybody's – other than Hollywood Brown, I suppose, is, you know, really – Kind of affected the fantasy fortunes of of these guys, and James Conner has been uh, no exception. You know, the other thing too is we definitely we're concerned about the offensive line in Arizona. I mean, it's a less than ideal situation. I'm not sure that situation is going to really improve over the course of the season. So, you know, something to be wary of. But uh, at the end of the day, James Conner has the opportunity to be a workhorse back on what should be an offense that heats up over the course of the season with a lot of touchdown equity. Um, We've already seen that. He's getting more involved in the passing game. I think we're a little worried about what we saw. I think through the first, other than the injury, he had a little injury in week two that hampered him. And then uh, what we saw at the beginning of the season was he was going to get a big role and that, you know, Benjamin and Daryl Williams would be distant guys behind him. Little bit of concern that last week they picked up the slack, and it looked like a little bit more of a timeshare, uh, so we'll see if that can if that continues. Um, I'm not sure that it can. I really think Connor is the guy when it's all. So that they want him to be the guy. I think, and I think they were tinkered with the configuration of the backfield a little bit last week just to try to kind of get get a spark going after a slow start. It's been 14 and a half touches per game for James Connor on the season. Remember, he basically only played a half in week two, so that's submarining his numbers a little bit. 3.2 yards per carry, I think that has a lot to do with the offensive line. And also, you know, again, a slow start for the Cardinals. They've been in some bad game scripts. That's been the other problem. When you a team that's kind of a soft to a slow start, they get into bad game scripts and that really kind of ruins this the you know situation for a fantasy running back. I think that begins to rectify a little bit here over time. Uh, again, I wasn't worried about at all about a timeshare with James Conner until last week versus Carolina. Um, you know, but I do still think he's he's still the lead far and away, or clearly, at least to me. Maybe not far and away, but the clear lead. And um look, he's got a tough matchup this week versus Philadelphia. James Conner does, but next week he has a great matchup at Seattle. And then no buy until week thirteen for James Conner. So again. Like we said with Kamara, we'd rather pay the piper later with these buys and rack up some wins now. So I think that's an appealing part of Connor's profile. Um, So in my mind, it's really worth the gamble to take a look at James Connor and see what's going on with him in your league and see if you can acquire him. Um, I really think that people were somewhat reluctantly drafting him, even though he had a great season last year just based on his historical profile. And his ADP was pretty high this year. Um, so I expect that that all still comes in the equation and he's a guy you can probably get a pretty good deal on, which I think he makes him one of the most obvious trade targets here and probably one of the most realistic ones to acquire. Um, when you combine all these factors, he's got reluctant managers. It's been an underperformance so far. Um, it doesn't have the name recognition of the Davo cooks and the Alvin Kamara's. But in the end, he's got a profile that can easily match or, you know, in some cases, exceed those guys. So I think you're getting that type of player, but at a discount uh, with James Conner. And I think he's probably a better target than somebody like Alvin Kamara, let's call it, on the dollar in your trade market um, this week. 72% snap count in week one for James Conner. You know, and we were worried about the little bit of a timeshare this last week in week four, but I am looking here against Carolina. It was still a 66% snap count. Uh, for Connor, this last week, I so I think if you look at that, you know, week two and three a little bit of throwaways because of the ankle injury, week one seventy two percent, week four sixty six percent. I mean, that's that puts him in that sixty five to seventy percent snap count range, and I mean, once you're getting around seventy, that's that's a really really encouraging sign um, with James Connor. Um, so, folks, I would definitely just snoop around and see what's going on with him. Uh, let me see here. Excuse me. That's a little bit hard doing all this from my phone, guys. Just bear with me here this week. I want to. Think I had one more note for you here on James Conner. Let's just see here. Uh, okay, yeah, he's easily a 17 to 18 touch guy with upside for more. And again, the touchdown equity. Um, And again, his work in the passing game is a big deal this season. James Conner, he's already gotten half the targets this year through basically only three games that he had in 15 games last year. So he's on pace to more than double his target share. I mean, really almost triple his target share from uh, last season. Okay, guys, and then... Uh, another one here on the buy side of the fantasy football trade market this week. Is, we're going to go with tight end, Kyle Pitts. You guys are very scared about Kyle Pitts, and he has a very ugly profile to begin the season. Um, but here are my thoughts on the Falcons' second year. You know, he was a studly prospect is what we should call him. It's We won't call him a studly player quite yet, because it's certainly been the opposite of that this season. But the way I look at it, tight end is such a ho-hum position every year beyond the top few guys. I think you have to try to make the move to go after Kyle Pitts. If you roster anybody less than, like, you know, Mark Andrews or Travis Kelsey or Dallas Goddard, you know, if you don't have a... Or Hawkinson, I suppose. If you don't really have a a tight end, you're very, very bullish on it. I'm talking about really only the elite guys at this point. This tight end is a ho-hum you know, position out there. You know, maybe Tyler Higby. he looks like he's producing an elite clip. He's a guy you would maybe want to keep. But I think if you have anybody other than, you know, the top two, three, four, five tight ends, I think it's malpractice if you don't go after Kyle Pitts um, immediately. I mean, I think he should be a top priority this week because here's here's the way I look at it. There's nothing to lose. Tight end is that ho-hum position every single year. So if you don't have one of the elite guys, you know, really, what do you have to lose if to after to to go after Kyle Pitts if he busts you know he's going to be in, in a you're going to be in wallowing in the same tight end situation that most people in your league are that you're probably in uh currently i guess what you have to lose are the assets that you have to give up for him but if you are a winning team with a stacked bench like again what do you have to lose you're just going to replenish uh your roster through the waiver wire and through the trade market every week so i think that um I think it's a recommended move to go after Kyle Pitts and just see what happens. And certainly his managers are super disenfranchised at this point. And, you know, I'm not sure it takes a King's ransom to get him. I know all the hype was there, you know, preseason and stuff, but he's not a proven guy and it's been ugly so far. And maybe there's some stubborn owners that won't get rid of him because of what they invested in the draft. But the draft is becoming a distant memory. And if they're a losing team, Especially, I, I just really think that Kyle Pitts is somebody that you have to consider moving on from if, if you need to get a win this week and if you can get some good players in return. Um, it's been, like I said, ugly for Kyle Pitts. Only five and a half targets per game this year. Only This is incredible. Only one game of over 25 yards receiving for Kyle Pitts. And only one game over two receptions and zero touchdowns. I mean, that's not just bad. That's pathetic. And scary, frankly. So you have to kind of come to an accord with an owner who's not just married to this dude who's willing to do an honest and reasonable deal. But if you can do an honest and reasonable deal for Kyle Pitts and you don't own one of the top 3-5 to elite tight ends in all of fantasy football, I absolutely think that this is a low-risk move that we should all be attempting to make. And let's live with the the results. I think you have very, very little to lose if you find the right trade partner and you can get... um, The right deal done, and if you're a team in the right situation to make uh, to go in this pursuit, also bad quarterback play. I mean, bad quarterback play out of Mariota. It was a disgusting effort last week. And look, he's got a round three rookie quarterback in Ritter breathing down his neck. So he may have like a mid round rookie quarterback. Not, I was impressed with Ritter when I was at Falcons camp, Uh, that's for sure. But in the end, he's a mid round rookie quarterback and that that guy could very easily get in the lineup sooner than later this season and that's also troubling potentially for Pitts at least on the surface he might be the kind of guy that can come in and heat up Kyle Pitts a little bit more I mean Desmond Ritter has a very live arm you know can move around in the pocket uh, but it's unknown and I think most people will probably just be a little bit scared of the prospect of you know the quarterback situation deteriorating even more in Atlanta as the season progresses. I mean, luckily Atlanta is two and two. I think if they weren't two and two, I think that we already might be talking about uh, Ritter coming in uh, to the lineup. So once again, Kyle Pitts, it may never materialize this season, but I think it's worth a shot and he's got Tampa Bay this week on the uh, matchup. Uh, They're number four. It's the fourth best matchup. They've, or they've allowed the fourth most points to fantasy tight ends on the season, and over at Roster Watch on our matchup tool, we also have it as a top ten uh, matchup for fantasy tight ends this week against Kyle for Kyle Pitts. So it could be a, a get right spot. And like we mentioned with Alvin Kamara, James Connor, no buy until Week 14 for Kyle Pitts. Certainly that uh, feature of his profile has some allure to it. Okay, folks, before we wrap up here on. Uh, This first edition of the rosterwatch.com trade cast of the 2022 fantasy football season. Let's give you some mock trade deals here so you have kind of some actionable information. You have a template to go home and uh, attempt to design your own trades with. Guys, why not take Brandon Cooks and try to trade him for James Conner? Boy, if you could get something like that done or something remotely close like that done, I think it would be a real, real boon to acquire, to move on from a guy like Brandon Cooks and maybe another asset. Maybe you can't do this. Try that deal straight up. You know, I, I think you have to have a really disenchanted James Conner manager to make that move. But you know, maybe it's Brandon Cooks and another flex player that you think is a sell high or kind of a bench guy or whatnot. You can help the James Conner uh, uh, manager out this week. I think you should absolutely make that attempt. Um, if you could send Brandon Cooks for James Conner or Brandon Cooks and another. You know, modest player for James Conner. I think you'd be making uh, the right move. Can you take Clyde Edwards-Elair and Brandon Cooks from the sell side of this week's trade market? And can you move them for Dalvin Cook or Alvin Kamara? You know, this is what I'm talking about. I think you can get the deal done for James Conner for cheaper. But I also don't really have an objection to taking the calculated risk and going after Dalvin Cook or Alvin Kamara with a combo of Clyde Edwards-Elair and... Brandon Cooks um you know it's a little bit speculative but you look we got like we got to be aggressive to try to win this thing and we're in it to go big or go home and you know the best thing to do is just try to assemble almost a cartoonish starting lineup of the big name players in the leagues and I think you can in the league and you can live with those results now if we want to go after Kyle Pitts this week uh, can we take our current tight end whoever that may be along with some kind of sell-high type of flex player or, you know, bench play Somebody, you know, another modest asset. Can we package that with our current tight end? And can we pedal that to the Kyle Pitts owner this week and get a deal done? I think you might be able to. It's certainly worth an attempt. Um, and then, you know, let's flip this thing on its head. If you're a Jonathan Taylor owner who's looking to liquidate this week because you've got to get a win. I told you, you've got to move Taylor for two good pieces or a tier two two really good starters in return, two respectable guys in return at minimum. That has to be kind of like the rule when you are moving an elite player. Um, So here's an example. Uh, Again, looking to liquidate uh, Jonathan Taylor. Why not move Jonathan Taylor for James Conner and a good wide receiver this week? I mean, that's a smart deal, right? And I think that's a deal that can get done. So I think the Conner owner would probably be willing to do that if they have the assets to do it. I think the Taylor owner... If he's in a pinch and he needs more players to help him win, like right now, and I think those are the, that. I think that's the type of deal that can get done. So, folks, I hope you enjoyed uh, this episode of the RosterWatch.com Fantasy Football Tradecaster Week Five. We'll certainly have more coming to you next week. And um, until then, folks, happy trading.